talking about Samuel's calling and this first Samuel series. Who is Samuel in light of who God is? Who has he called him to be? And of course, this has great application for us. As part of that, um, Christine uh, Skull had a great idea um, to, uh, for us last week with the kids on Sunday night. In the spirit of Samuel hearing from God in the passage we're about to read is about a 12-year-old boy. We thought, let's hear from the kids for the adults and release some words on Sunday morning. And so um, these are words from our kiddos, um, like when Samuel heard the Lord. Um, and so um, is, are there any? I don't think there are because I know all of you. I'll just look. <laughs> okay. So someone got the name Vera. So Christine's doing some of this up at Crestmont. She's preaching today there. Um, but... Um, I believe that with this word that they had, that the Lord is already, we just took communion, right? The Lord is renewing minds and he is healing emotions this morning. And so there was a word about that. Um, and uh, yeah, and Vera was there too. And the name Vera means truth. That's my new granddaughter. Oh, okay. So, okay, so Vera Deanna. Is going to be a warrior in the spirit um, who walks in the wholeness and fullness of Christ and releases people um, or frees people through the renewing of their minds and the healing of their emotions. She's going to have inner healing and deliverance ministry. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, kids and God. <laughs> uh, two kiddos got the name Amy. Again, I don't think we have an Amy here. We do have a new Amy up at the Crestmont campus. Nice. Mm. So that's cool. But um, and then also August 12th. Uh, is August 12th a significant date to you, whether for a positive or negative reason? Or is it birthday? I guess it would be positive. August 12th? It's your birthday? Oh, awesome. That's awesome. All right. So Kevin, they saw... Um, a picture of a sword with fire. Um, and in praying into that, so we, we would pray into what this might mean. We asked them to do that, and then we did that during the week as well. And just feel like um, the enemy should have never tried you. Come on! And that what <laughs> and that and that what Satan did to bruise your heel, the Lord used in your crushing his head. And that the sword that came against you, like the boy David. Um, when Goliath came against him, is the sword that God is putting in your hand in this season. That the that which came against you, the Lord is healing, has healed you, and and you have the anointing to walk in that with Him in ministry against that which came against you in the name of Jesus. So, Amen. August twelfth. All right. And a sword, a picture of a sword on fire. And Kiara. <laughs> so I wanted to speak to you out of that Hannah word okay. and just affirm what God's doing in you. And I just really, so one of the kids actually wrote and like we, we were trying to figure out like who was it because I didn't know who wrote it or, and as you guys know, if you were here last week, you preached on Hannah and how this personally related to her in the season. So there's some things we know in the natural, but also just in what we see in Hannah is um, that God formed this deep thing in her. And I believe the Lord that you are creating something new in this season 
out of a season of pain and suffering, that the Lord is not only redeeming things in you, but that through you, you will co-create with God in this season. And I think you already know that, but I just want to affirm what God's doing in you and um, speak that over you and just encourage us to join in celebrating what Jesus is doing in and through you, Kiara. So I bless that in, you, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And so I'm excited for what that means for our body, too. I really believe that has a lot of meaning. We were at a, uh, Jake and I were at a conference where um, some things were spoken that kind of aligned with that. I think for you too, I think, yeah, so really cool. So, all right, well, let's jump into more of the word because that's the word of the Lord too, right? Like, <laughs> and he speaks through us prophetically and we see in part and we release things in accordance with his character and his word and his love story, the Bible um, uh, that speaks of his nature and how he's for us. Well, last week, um, Kiara, as I said, preached on Hannah. And in chapter 2, just to give some context, a story tell, to share what is going on here as we enter into chapter 3 here. Um, so there's a priesthood um, in Israel, and they're very corrupt. And Hophni and Phinehas are the sons of Eli. They are taking the fat offering that's supposed to be offered to God, and they are taking it for themselves by force when necessary from people um, who wouldn't just give it to them. They are sleeping with women who are serving at the entrance of the tent of meeting and in so doing, forfeiting their inheritance. Um, the Lord made promises, uh, shared with them what was on their family line to their father Eli. And Eli was passive about this. So rather than being a father who disciplined those he loved, he showed them love not in being passive to them. And they lived like orphans beneath their identity as their father abdicated his role as a dad as he abdicated his role as a priest. And so they reflected this in the way they lived. Now, on the other side, we see Hannah, who, as Kiara said last week, was rejected, but her rejection was not God's rejection of her. Mm. And we see in that storyline that God is formed while she's waiting on God and is being rejected by people and experiencing legitimate pain and wrongdoing and long suffering. That God is forming something deeper in her in the waiting. And what manifests out of that which forms in her is not just the baby boy Samuel, but a vow. A vow she makes to God that unbeknownst to her restores the priesthood. Wow. A vow she makes to God that known very well to her was to give him, her son, to live before the Lord forever, meaning not with her, meaning she would physically give Samuel, after weaning him, to Eli, the priest, to live before the Lord and minister to the Lord. God honored her prayer and raised up Samuel in the middle of a corrupt priesthood, and Hannah, in bearing good fruit, kept her word to the Lord and did indeed give 
Samuel, and Samuel comes, we see, from good spiritual stock. But this didn't start with Samuel, right? And, and it didn't start with Hannah either. It started with God forming something deep within her. But when she had a choice to make, she had the character to make the right choice. And so here we see Hophni and Phinehas. Um, they, they're living beneath their identity. And at worst, they're doing what is, has been aforementioned. And at best, they're performing perfunctory rituals with the title of priest. And it's empty, and the offerings are stinking to the Lord. And so let's pick up there with the passage today. First uh, Samuel three ten through four one. If you guys can stand in honor of God's word, let's read out loud together the word of the Lord. Just move over here a little bit. Let's read out loud together. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Amen. Let's be seated. Thanks. Last week, my dog, Ruby, ran out the back door, got out, and was running around on her back deck. She's a, so you can get a picture, she's a full grown golden doo. And so, <laughs> fierce dogs. No. Um, but nonetheless, uh, there was a group of teenagers on my back deck who were waiting to get next 
And if you don't know what that means, they were waiting to play the next game of hoops on our basketball court in our backyard. <laughs> and one of them ran off the deck in sheer terror of Ruby. <laughs> and his friends started making fun of him, um, appropriately, right? Um, like, like they do, like they do. And uh, he, he said, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And um, so who do you believe in this story? <laughs> his friends or him, right? Who is a, a priest in this passage? The one with the title or the one who acted like one? You know, um, and so in name only, we see these priests of Eli's household, but we see Samuel walking in the first fruits of this calling on his life. And um, the Lord told me years ago when I was in prayer, Eli's sons, just uh, I got a, in my mind's out the names, Eli's sons. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to study these biological sons of Eli. Then I'm going to follow that direction. Uh, look this up in scripture. And you saw in this passage that Eli said to him, one of the things I saw quickly was Eli said to him, Samuel, my son. Because at this point, Samuel had been about 10 years with Eli. He's a 12-year-old boy. And he hears the Lord for the first time. Eli identifies him as a son. And so the sons of God here are essentially Samuel, Hophni, and Phinehas. And the Lord showed me quickly, right, that there is a distinction between his sons. And Samuel would speak of this distinction in a later passage in a different context when he says, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And so we see in Samuel that he lived this life of obedience, faithful to all that was in God's heart and mind, it would say elsewhere in the scriptures, uh, whereas um, Eli's sons did not. And so um, this reminds me, when I look at this passage, of my journey as a child of God in hearing the Lord. And also my journey in calling. You know, in my uh, early days in, in hearing the Lord and trying to hear God and discern what He might be saying, whether through reading of scriptures or in prayer or in community, um, you know, there were times when I heard nothing. There were times when I heard wrongly. There were times when I would get something that I think still today is significant and I have no idea what it means. There were times when I would get something significant and the fruit of that was shown later or, or the person would confirm that this was significant for their life. And so I can, I can think of one of those times, one of the times of uh, getting something wrongly. I just thought, I was so sure that I heard the, the word Shane, the name Shane and a word for this person. And so I'm walking around uh, the lake at Hopewell Park and I'm asking every person there, there's all these guys there fishing, you know, is your name Shane? Do you know anyone named Shane? And, and the answer was no, by all of them, you know. And um, I, call this the, this, I call this the walk of shame. Um, so, bad joke, dad joke. My kids, with my kids would call that a dad joke. But, um, but also, like, I think of um, a time when I got a dream that I still today think is spiritually significant. It was probably 12 or like 14 years ago. And I don't know what it means. And I've asked the Lord. And, like, that's no time to the Lord, right? It doesn't mean it's not from God, and maybe it isn't, but we'll see, you know? And so um, there's my journey with that. Um, I remember hearing a word for someone and, er, early on in, in my journey with this and, um, and spiritualizing the word and interpreting it through my own grid rather than like 
asking God for interpretation, or that person, if this word means anything to them. And I later found out it was very significant to them, but I prayed in the, in the wrong way about it for them trying to, you know. And so just my journey in hearing God and the errors in that and the grace of God in that. And I'm reminded that God, we're not disqualified by the mistakes we make or as we stumble along the way, right? And I, I remember getting a, drink or a word for someone I had, I had heard nothing for like two hours and an extended time of prayer, and all of a sudden I get a date and a name. And it turned out, well, it was similar to this with, with Kevin. Uh, it was this person's birthday, the picture of the person I saw and the date that I saw. And so, I, you know, I found out through Julie later, this is this person's birthday, and, um, and, and gave this word for them. But I'm not qualified by that either, right? I'm not qualified by the success or failure in ministry. We're qualified by grace, Amen. right? <laughs> and so this is a journey to side of heaven in hearing God in practicing it. We're just in a journey of practicing it, right? But I'm also reminded by this passage of calling. The calling on our lives. And by the way, in hearing God, right, we are all children of God. And we know our shepherd's voice and we follow him. So now, under the new covenant of this table, we all hear God. So different than the prophets of old, the only ones through whom God would speak for a period of time to his chosen people, right? Um, now, we hear God in community. We hear God as the children of God, each one of us ourselves. And that's why we celebrate what God's doing in our children. And that's one of the ways we celebrate that and practice that, right? Um, and so, amen. So, but um, I also think about calling, my journey with calling. Um, you know, a few years ago, I studied Samuel because I felt like God was leading me in that direction. So I did this whole long character study. Kiara and the staff had to hear me geek out about <laughs> Samuel and the priesthood a few months ago and out of this character study. And, um, and so, but uh, then uh, Pastor Moreland, uh, a mentor, who was a mentor of mine, he spoke at my ordination service and he spoke Samuel over my life. Mm. And he, and I felt like it was so confirming. And he said, you know, Samuel was someone who led a group of priests and he raised up a company of prophets in a prophetic ministry. He prayed ceaselessly to the Lord and he, and actually restored. It said that the word of the Lord was rare in that day. He actually restored, the Lord used him to restore that too. And then he raised up a company of prophets, people who would make a new sound with harp and lyre, prophesying with their instruments. Many think that that started with David, but it's not true. We see in 1 Samuel 10, it started with Samuel and David gathered what Samuel built by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not centering myself in that and saying, therefore, that's what I am. What I'm saying is I identify with that calling, calling to which God has spoken to me and to which I aspire. But more than that, guys, what is important for us is that Samuel was faithful in all that. It wasn't that he never made mistakes. It wasn't that he was a perfect man. It wasn't that he performed ministry perfectly. He was faithful to all that was in God's heart and mind. And it's that to which I aspire. It's that to which you should aspire. It's that to which God is calling us by His Spirit at work in us, right? Is to be faithful, right? And so this is the distinction between Samuel and Eli's sons was faithfulness. You know, his words never fell to the ground, not because they were his words. 
They were God's words, and God's word has the power to perform itself. God's word never fails. God's word remains forever. Samuel received it and released it in obedience. And so my main point today is let's hear and obey God about who he says we are and what he says to do. <laughs> let's hear and obey him. Do you know that that word, um, speak Lord, your servant is listening. That word listening is Shema. That word Shema does not just mean to listen. It means to hear and do all that you've said to do. And so it has everything to do with obedience to what God has said. And so Samuel is essentially saying here, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening and will do what you say to do. I think Samuel told Eli what he, said, what he heard because God told him to say it. Not because Eli told him to say it and his manipulation and his power grabbing and... Right? And even if he did do it out of fear of Eli, it still was God's word still came forth through Samuel. And he was faithful to the word. And so we have a choice today to posture our hearts to say yes to the Lord. Or our hearts already postured that when he speaks, we're ready to go. You know, that when he speaks, we're ready to go. This isn't about performance and gifting. We're always getting it right. It's about the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. And so we have a choice. And just like the church is filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to advance God's kingdom, the world is the enemy's playground unprotected by God because they don't follow the Lord. They don't have the Holy Spirit yet. The world being those who are not yet in Christ. And because they're the enemy's playground, how many of you know that the enemy is influencing the world to reach the church? To desensitize us. To shape us about at the core about who we are and who God says we are. How, how many of you know so much of our worship is just agreeing with what God already said? It's agreeing with what God already performed. It's coming into alignment. We might have last week just like came into some kind of like wonkiness in our heart, right? Some kind of influence, leaven of the world. And we need to come back and get centered, right? In solitude in our relationship, in community, not just on Sunday mornings, but in, in relationships, right? In community with each other. And so... Why? Because the enemy is, tr is also doing a work, and it's called the kingdom of darkness. And he's trying to influence the church because he knows what we need to understand. That if he can get us off track at our identity, at our calling, at who God says we are, he will undermine and shake us for God's purpose for our lives. Remember what he said to Jesus? If you are the son of God, he attacked him at the level of identity. Mm. Then prove yourself. Jesus was like essentially in all three of those, right? I don't need to prove myself. I'm who God says I am. Mm. Right? <laughs> and he used scripture. And he, but that was essentially the, the situation there, right? And so, the Lord says, I'll raise up for myself faithful priest. And on one level, he's talking about Samuel. He said it in 1 Samuel 1. 
He was talking about Samuel. I'll raise up someone. Okay, Eli, you're going to abdicate your role. Eli's sons, you're going to abdicate your role. I'll raise someone else up. Someone said today the rocks will cry out. PR said the rocks will cry out. I'll raise someone else up. It's no problem. You had the opportunity at inheritance, but you disdained me. And so this is what the scriptures describe as an unforgivable sin. And essentially, there's this picture of, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll go there in a minute. I'll go there in a minute. But so he says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. And on one level, that's Samuel. But on the other level, the deeper level, the foreshadow, it's Jesus. Yeah. Right? Jesus is the high priest forever. Jesus makes a better Samuel. There's a sense in which Samuel obeyed the words of Jesus and did what Jesus said to do, right? And what I was going to say is that, that Jesus is the word and the way. And then when people reject Jesus, this side of the new covenant, this is that unforgivable sin that Eli and his sons committed, you know, and, and, and denying their own inheritance, Right? This is what it is. To, why? Because if you're rejecting Christ, this was the way that God made, the Word of God, the way unto salvation. And so in the, new, in the New Covenant, on this side of the New Covenant, that is what's going on there. But there's a sense in which Jesus is, Jesus is a better Samuel, and Samuel was listening to Jesus. Moses said, there will be a prophet who comes like me. And he said, listen to him. Shema. Do what he says to do. He wasn't talking about Samuel. He was talking about Jesus. And Samuel would have known that word. Growing up in the priesthood, Samuel would have learned the Torah in which Moses said that word. He'd be like, oh, okay. I need to listen to God when he speaks to me. So he learned that in the written word in his day. Um, God himself said on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration to James and Peter and John, he said, this is my beloved son, Jesus. Listen to him. Right? And, and God also said to his people, and Samuel would have known this passage, that, that when you hear my voice, don't harden it, for they hardened their hearts in the wilderness. Right? And so... Samuel was a prophet and a priest and a leader, but Jesus is the prophet. Jesus is the high priest forever, as I said. And Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Samuel raised up a company of prophets. But how many of you know Jesus is still raising up and equipping a company of prophets? And when you are the prophet, you are not just prophesying. You are not just praying. Jesus lives to intercede for us. You are not just praising. You are equipping and raising up, training, imparting, activating others to do so. And that's what Jesus does today. Jesus said, I'm giving to my church some as prophets. I'm giving to my church the gift of others as apostles. Jesus is called in the scriptures the holy apostle. And he is raising up apostles, apostolic leaders today. We like to say apostolic leader, prophetic leader because of all the baggage in the church and because titles don't matter. Amen. Right? The title of Eli and his sons didn't carry much weight if he wasn't doing what God told him to do. 
right? <laughs> so we don't care about the titles, but God does want you to know the function. And we'll talk about that in a minute. He wants you to know the function. And so Jesus is raising up teachers today. Right? He's giving some to the church as teachers. The Rabboni, the master teacher. Don't call anyone else teacher. He's raising up teachers today. Equipping teachers to prepare the church for the works of the ministry. To prepare the church to teach. Prophets to prepare the church to prophesy. Because we all hear His voice. Apostles to prepare the church for the apostolic ministry of being sent out. This is in our missional identity as the body of Christ. He's calling others. To, he's raising others up as evangelists. Others up as pastors. Not just to guide, guard, and feed the sheep, but teach others how to do so. Yeah. Impart to others how to do so. Activate others in how to do so. To walk alongside others for the long haul. I see that in Christine Stahl. I see that in you, Webers. This ministry of fivefold calling. This is known as the fivefold ministry. These five <coughs> kinds of leadership gifts of us one to another in the body of Christ to complement, to complete one another, to complete the mission of Jesus unto his return. So, without and resisting the temptation to go into a training on the fivefold ministry, <laughs> speaking of geeking out, another one of my favorite things in all you know, the world to talk about. Um, I'll resist that, but, but God has this, a calling on your life. God has a calling on your life, and He's raising up. And what He wants to do first, though, is settle in our hearts His love. Yeah. Our identity in Christ and who He says we are as a son and daughter. Because then we can walk in the function of what He's also called us to as fivefold leaders and not get our significance from it. I had a I had a, um, a mentor say to me, you're a prophetic leader, but don't get your significance from it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. She said, get your significance from the love of the Father. Amen. Get His love settled down deep in your heart so that you can walk in the fullness of your prophetic calling. And I love that. That was such a gift to me to hear that from her. I want to talk very practically about a couple ways. Three ways you can discern, you can learn your calling. Because what did it say here? It said that Samuel was recognized from Dan to Beersheba as an attested prophet. How many of you know God wanted Samuel to know he was a prophet? He wanted the people to know so that they would listen to the word of the Lord through him. Right? And not think this guy's crazy. Sometimes they thought these guys were crazy. But that, that this was the word of the Lord, that this was coming through him. He wants people to know and you to know what you are. It's just he wants you to be settled in your significance and your acceptance and your safety that comes from his love for you as the foundation for you. And so one way to learn about your fivefold calling, am I an apostolic leader, a pastor, evangelist, teacher, a prophet today, is to go to the calling line. It's twice a year. It has to do with learning your personality, uh, your story and how that reflects the calling on your life, um, your passions, things you can't not get angry about. I preached last week, about two weeks ago, about Jesus flipping tables. What do you flip tables about, right? Um, <laughs> and your fivefold call. There's an assessment test about your fivefold calling, which is good, but it's not enough in itself. And so I would say the second way to learn about your calling 
is, in addition to being, and, and primarily being a son and daughter, is um, to be in community with each other and hear from each other. Right? Joel told me years ago, he said, you're a prophet in my life. And Galfua, when she was praying over me years ago, um, said, I just hear the Lord saying you're a prophet. And it's like, that was super significant for me to understand what he wanted me to, why did he want me to know my function? Because he wants me to know why, even guys by way of like dynamics, he wants me to know why I see differently than this person who he's called me to minister with. Because one, this is something I lack and I need, what they have. <laughs> right? So there's what he wants in, in the design of Christ in part is to work in a five-fold team where we are learning mutual submission in the spirit of his humility. And so it's like, oh, okay, if I know you're a five-fold pastor, it's like, no wonder you're emphasizing that. And I need it. Because that's somewhere where I may lack. And so that's super important too. Who is God calling you to run with? And what is on their life? You know? And so it's super helpful. And honestly, we look back in retrospect and we're like, there were conflicts that happened because of this stuff. Because we just sincerely didn't understand the perspective that the other person had. And I understand there can also be like personality and brokenness and, and things like that in the mix too. It's complicated. But um, we look back and we see, we see things like that. But now, God wants us to know your function so that you can walk in a complementary way, in mutual submission, and advance his kingdom in the purposes he's laid out before you and prepared in advance for you to do. Right? And so, the third way is get in rooms with God. God wants to speak to you about your calling. There's no shortcut or substitute to calling than the fire of God's manifest presence touching your heart about who He says you are. And so He does it through community. He does it through assessment tests and tools. And He speaks His voice to you about who you are. I just looking at you, Angelica, and I remember speaking in an upper room, us praying over you, Anna, and an intercessor, you know, that kind of thing. That's a facet of who you are as a new creation in Christ. God wants us to know that so that we can advance his kingdom, so that we can walk in who he says we are. And he also wants us to know the sectors to which he's called us. Some people are called to be apostolic leaders in the government sector. You know, sometimes people think like, wow, I'm not like, I don't know what my place is here in the church because all this stuff is such churchy language, and, you know. <laughs> but some people are called to the medical field and they're prophets. And God is showing them design or like his design of the brain or what, you know, and I'm just thinking of that example because Mary Porter's in the room and, <laughs> and like things like that. And so, um, but yeah, so... There's the arts and media. There's business. Like I, I look at Brooke Witterman. I'm like, oh my gosh, she has an apostolic anointing for the marketplace. There's such a grace on her life. And that's not all that it's for, but it's like, wow, that's a thing in her life <laughs> that she should pay attention to sector. Like what part of society? Because God wants to advance his kingdom in the earth, right? It's not just to have like five-fold meetings about how to run church programs. In fact, that's not what it's about. <laughs> it's about advancing his kingdom in the earth and so um, yeah so consider 
the sector to which he's called you to as legitimate. I just want to affirm that. So, um, and uh, Heather, if you can come and play, I'll wrap up with this. But uh, as we each have a fivefold calling on our lives, he's called us collectively to be a priesthood. And I just want to close with this um, to say, um, you know, there's a priesthood here in the Old Testament, back to the Samuel passage. There's a priesthood there. But how many of you know that because Jesus makes a better priest than Samuel, we make a better priesthood than Old Covenant priests? And the reason why is it's not a comparison thing. <laughs> the reason why is because of the blood of Jesus. It's because of who he was, not just as the priest, but as the sacrifice. What does that mean for us as a priesthood today? Number one, we're forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We're healed through the stripes he bore on his back. We have the Spirit of God indwelling us, unlike those under the Old Covenant in Samuel's day. And this is why we can hear from God, right? We also are a royal priesthood. A kingly priesthood. A queen, is queenly a word? Sure. Alright. A queenly priesthood. I, I watched the woman king the other week. I, I'm just going to say kingly priesthood. It covers everybody. Um, we need to redefine king, um, and, uh, and what's the reason for that? What does Jesus highlight there? We're a royal priesthood. Authority. Jesus is the king of kings. He's a royal priest, right? And because he has all authority in heaven and on earth, we as a priesthood make disciples. He said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples. So, we have the power of the Spirit at work within us doing more than we ask or even imagine according to that power at work within us to advance His kingdom in the earth. And that is as a royal priesthood. Do you know the, the other reason that we make a better priesthood as new covenant priests? It's because now we have complete access to the throne of grace through the veil of Christ's flesh, right? We don't come through the Holy of Holies like in Samuel's day there was a tent and only the high priest can go in. And guys, we come directly to the throne of grace with complete access to Jesus' feet. We see a picture of this in Mary at Bethany in John chapter 12, right? Mary comes with a half a pound of oil and just pours out the love on Jesus with which he first loved her and just gets wasted and lost in Jesus. Wiping his feet with her hair and her tears. Guys, we get to do this together. We get to come together to minister to God. To keep our lamps burning. In worshiping Jesus because he's worthy. As Jesus washes our feet, we get to wash his with our hair and tears. Let's keep doing that together. We have complete access. There is no hindrance to this anymore. There's no limitation to this anymore. 
We get to come into rooms like this and get lost in Jesus, like we did this morning, quite frankly. And what was the name that went, it went forth, Kiara? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. And, and we could have gone deeper and deeper and deeper still, right? And so, that's um, so good. But we are new covenant priests. We have a five-fold calling. Let's hear and do what Jesus called us to do and to say uh, this day. Amen.